subtle and strategic. In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches that Satan studies and looks for your weaknesses. Satan likes to attack you when you're down, vulnerable, and discouraged. He is patient and waiting for the most opportune time to attack and tempt you towards sin. You must always be on your guard against him and be sure to be in the Word daily. Satan desires for you to react and respond how the world would react, which is from the flesh. Never forget that you have the Spirit of God inside you. When you feel down, Ask the Lord to help strengthen and equip you for the battle. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 16 for today's edition of Come Alive. Look at verse 5 of 2 Samuel chapter 16. It says, Now when King David came to Baharim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. And he threw stones at David and all the servants of of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left hand. Also Shimei said, thus, when you cursed come, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. And then the Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. So you have David, who's just been kicked out of his city. He's left because his son has betrayed him. His best friend has betrayed him, and his nation has turned in rebellion. And now you got this guy hurling not only rocks, but insults towards King David. And so we have here the insight and the attitude of, well, you and I go through these things when life gets rough. Who throws and hurls insults at you and me? Well, the enemy, Satan, the devil. And if you think about this... For David, you know, it's like, hey, Dave, if I could counsel you, let me just tell you, you have a son in the act of treason. You have a best friend that's defected to the enemy side, and now the nation is in the act of rebellion. So David goes to this city thinking, hey, you know what? I'm just going to find some rest here. I'm going to find some solitude. I'm going to kind of gather my thoughts. I'm going to settle there. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up throwing rocks and cuss words. And that's a picture of Satan. The enemy works when, when you're down. You know, that, that's the crazy thing. That's how the enemy works. He works when, when you're down. And he works hard. He doesn't want you to have faith. He wants you to have fear. So if you're taking notes, number one, the enemy works, number one, when you are worn out, when you're at your wit's end, when you're bummed out, and all of a sudden, guess who shows up? The devil. And so he did something to Jesus as well. The devil showed up when Jesus was hungry. Remember, 40 days, a 40-day fast, Satan shows up. And he's like, hey, bro, hungry? Well, turn these rocks into to bread. 
or maybe just calling up some chicken. And so here he says, hey, turn that stone in some fresh piping hot bread. Smell it. Some of you guys might be hungry and you're like, oh, I can smell some bread now. So when did the enemy come? Well, he came when Jesus was hungry. The attack is at Jesus' hunger. And for you, it may be at the attack of money or whatever you're going through, a relationship. And it may look like he says, hey, you know what? Here, let me show you this. Here's a great idea. This, this, this is relief. The Bible tells us the devil shows up as an angel of what? Light. You know, I always laugh at the picture of the devil wearing a tight, you know, some dude in a tight red suit with horns and a pitchfork. I mean, if you saw that guy walking at you on the street, what would you do? I'd be like, freak and run. You know, I'd be like, freak out and just take off running. Like, here comes the devil. But he doesn't. He comes as a, hey, here's a great idea. Hey, let me give you this awesome idea because, you know what? It's worked for me and thousands of others. And you know what? You can, and it sounds too good to be true. It always is. And so here comes this devil. And he's throwing these things at you. It looks like relief. And yet it looks like it's even greater, even good. And yet it's just a temptation. He's trying to tempt you. And when you grab it, and you run with it, you might actually be in a worse place than you were. But for now, he's hurling insults, trying to get your pride all worked up. Oh, you know, you can't let your friends see this. I mean, what kind of Christian man would let this happen? And all of a sudden, your pride's, oh, yeah, you know, I better. He hits you when you're down. Number two, the enemy attacks when you're vulnerable. He attacks when you're very vulnerable. The temptation may be far greater when you're alone or by yourself. I can tell you I've been there or hurting And he provides something or someone who seems to understand. A a businessman maybe having a rough time in his marriage and all of a sudden he's on a business trip and here's this person that just wants to be friends. I'm here to bounce stuff off of. Oh, why don't you talk to me about your wife? Why don't you talk to me? And then all of a sudden it's trouble. Hey, I just want to be there for you. I'm just a friend. Be careful when you hear those things, especially when it's from the opposite sex. Number three, he knows where to attack. He knows where it hurts. He knows where it hurts the most. Shimei was a relative of Saul and Jonathan, and I want to submit to you that David and Shimei probably sat at the same table and broke bread and ate together, and at one point were friends. They probably had a better relationship. I find it fascinating that the one who betrayed Jesus was, in fact, a disciple of Jesus, somebody that sat and even dipped in the same bowl. It always comes sometimes from a supposed friend. For years, Judah walked with Jesus, and he actually betrays his friend and leader just because things were not going the way he wanted them to go or thought they should. So David sees Shimei, and you know that kind of betrayal has got to hurt when it comes from a friend. And number four, if you're taking notes, it's somewhat justified. What? Yeah. The enemy's going to bring up last year's sin. After all, it's still true. You know the devil never accuses you of anything you didn't do? He accuses you of the things that you did do that are true. Because he can't go to God, even though it says he's the father of lies. The devil knows that God knows the truth. So he's not going to make up a lie about you. He's going to lie to you, but he's going to go to God and say, hey, well, remember this guy and his sin? And it's always true. He always brings up the sin that's true. The enemy brings it up, even during worship sometimes. You might have been worshiping, and all of a sudden, like, oh, man, I'm such a, how can I sit here and be this kind of hypocrite? I'm singing songs to God, about God, and I'm thinking about whatever. See, he wants to accuse you and make you feel bad, so you run to your vices and that you blow it, and you never, ever, ever get out of your rut. 
So your rut will eventually turn into a grave. See, the enemy is subtle and strategic. He knows your life. He tries to get you all worked up. And if you're down and vulnerable, well, that's when it's going to bug you the most. Satan wants you to rise up in the flesh and do something that would be, well, of greater disobedience than the first thing you did that got you there. He wants you to act like the world acts. He, he says, hey, go ahead, do what the world does. And that's react. Look at verse 9. It says, then Abishai, the son of Zariah, the king, says, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Please, let me go over and take off his head. Now, there's a good friend for you. Uh, let's just go take care of business. Flesh against flesh doesn't accomplish spiritual things. David could have said, yeah, go ahead, take care of him. Knocked his head off. And so see, when someone hurls an insult or a cursing blow or a crushing blow in our society, you know, we as people tend to want to run to a counselor or an attorney and demand and ask, hey, you need to defend us. I'm gonna, I, wanna, I want what he's got. I can't believe he's doing that. And in reality, that's, that's not right. If you look at Luke 6.20, turn with me there. Real quick, Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Luke 6, 20 says, Then he lifted up his eyes towards his disciples, and he said, Blessed are you, poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you, poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Verse 21, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Verse 23, rejoice in that day, leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did that to the prophets. Defend, Jesus tells us here, hey, don't defend. Really? Remember when you voluntarily came over and you laid your life down at the cross and you said, hey, I'm yours? And all the privileges and all the rights that you thought or you might think you have now, those were laid down the day we became Christians. Those go along with the citizenship here on earth. Well, we are citizens of heaven. We are children of the most high God. And if we are his children, then our citizenship is with him in heaven. And so the rights and the privileges that we once, well, what we had here on earth is, oh, yeah, defend yourself, uh, they're gone. When someone hates you and excludes you and reviles you and casts your name as evil, what are you to do? Leap for joy. Is that possible? Leap for joy, not sit and roll around in your pity, but leap for joy and not go to the bar or to the mall or, and spend all your money or not do nothing, but we're to leap for joy. But does it really say that? See, we sometimes freak out and begin worrying about whatever, whatever your worry is about. But if you're being persecuted for righteousness, then you can leap for joy is what the Bible says. Some people are like, oh, no, no, no. That's not what that's talking about. This is a whole, no, it, it says this, and, and this is why it says this, because if you're being per persecuted for the righteousness of Jesus' sake, for being a Christian, if you're doing the right thing, but if you're being persecuted for foolishness, well, don't leap for joy. You can't leap for joy because you've done this. But when we're being persecuted for doing the right thing, for being a Christian, doing Christian things, and you're at work and you share your faith with someone and they're like, hey, you know what? We used to be friends, but we're not anymore. Well, you can leap for joy. It might hurt a little bit, but you can inside say, hey, you know what, man, I did everything you asked. And God's like, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it says here that we could leap for joy if it's the things that we do for righteousness sake. But being persecuted for foolishness, then know that God disciplines those whom he loves for acting foolish. And my son can't leap for joy if he's disciplined when he does something foolish, but if he does the right thing and his friends or whoever, say, and I can say, hey, man, I love you. And because you did that, look, I'm gonna give you the double bonus. You can get some movie, you can go to the movies and get some candy. 
He'll leap for joy. And he'll probably go back out and do it again next time so he can get another movie and some more candy or a toy or whatever it is. But look at the rest of that. Luke 6, 24 says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And again, here we see this, verse 27. But I say to you, Jesus says, I say to you, you who hear, love your enemies. Do good deeds to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on, the, on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be as sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. That's hard stuff. Naturally, I, I, somebody punches me, I want to tear him apart. I don't want to just hit him one time. I want to hit him ten, as many times as I can, and maybe even kick him a couple of times. But I'm supposed to love my enemies? And yet we have a hard time as Christians loving other Christians. Uh, you don't know how that person treats me, Mark. They treat me like they're, I'm their enemy. One of the things I always say to people that I love a lot, my children, my wife, sometimes when we disagree, it's like, hey, 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 I'm not your enemy. I love you. And even if you were my enemy, I'm supposed to love you. Now back to 2 Samuel chapter 16. 2 Samuel chapter 16, we're going to pick up in verse 10. But the king said, what have I to do with you, sons of Zariah? Let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, see how my son, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. And so here he says, hey, it may, this may be of the Lord. That David says, if, if God's the author of this, why reject it? If someone tomorrow treats you bad at work and it's an opportunity for you to refer, return flesh for flesh, say something like, hey, you dirty, no good. You know, no, don't do that. See, it's actually your opportunity to return blessing for cursing, to love your enemy, to allow them to know, hey, I'll pray for you. I've done that before. I had a guy, and I was telling my son the other day because he was trying to get even with someone. And I said, listen, man, I had a dude just the other day. Just I put my blinker on. I made a turn, and I don't know what he was doing. He almost ran into my truck. He bounced up on the curb of the property that I, that I rent for my shop, jumped out, and some of my guys were standing there, and they're all looking like, what's going on? This guy jumps out and starts cussing me out and freaking out and calling me names, and he's walking over to me like he's going to hit me, and I was just getting out to see if he was okay. And he's cussing at me, and I remember I, I was like, man, I just want to say something back, and I hope he hits me. I remember thinking, I hope that guy hits me because it'll be on, and I got, you know, all my guy. And then I thought, no, you know what? And, I said, and he finished saying what he had to say, and I said, listen, man, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm going to pray for you right now. And two of my guys were like, yeah, 
And he just looked at us and he was like, man, and, and just walked, got in his car and backed out like he was really hurting something and bumpers and license plates flying around. And I just kind of chuckled. And I was like, man. And one of my guys was like, you want me to throw a rock? I said, no, we don't know what that guy's going through. I mean, really, I wanted to throw a rock, but I'm like, no, I don't want to pay for the broken window later and, and all the problems. You guys need to work and I want to get on with my day. But I remember just by saying that. And that guy just, he left. Uh, and so I continue to pray for him. I don't know his name. Hopefully I get to not literally run into him again, but run into him again at some point in time. Say, hey, man, so is your day better than it was the other day when you were trying to kill me or whatever you were threatening? Because I've been praying for you. I, I heard of a teacher that said that to one of her kids that was constantly unruly. And every day she goes, hey, man, I've been praying for you. And by the end of two or three months, and it took two or three months, this kid became like one of her best students because he knew somebody cared enough to pray. It shows love. And so it's our opportunity to return blessing for cursing. It's a chance to show that you're a true believer. They may look at you like you're crazy and ask, what are you on? Nobody ever responds that way when I cuss them out. Well, what are you on? Oh, hey, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing Luke 6 as best as I can. I, I, I'm on Luke 6, chapter 6, and I'm trying to do it well. David says, hey, if, if God has authored this, I'm not going to retaliate. And if it's not from God, well, there's still a lesson I can learn from this bad situation, this bad behavior of this guy. Number two, what should I expect when you think about it? What should David expect? I mean, he, he's saying, I, I did something wrong. I did something really bad, and, and I repented. Yeah, I've repented, and I've been forgiven, but that doesn't mean that the consequences aren't going to be there. I, I really didn't think things through. I just lived for the flesh. And so think about what happens to those who have been obedient, those who've been obedient to Christ. You, you think when you get to work or school, people are saying, dude, we're so glad you're here. Well, we needed another Christian. It's awesome. We, we can't wait to rally around the flagpole and hold hands and pray. Uh, they don't say that. Uh, the reason they don't is because they, you know, I mean, and, and they might even say, well, you know, even though we're heathens, we, you know, and, and we love to see how damned we really are. We just love it. No, they don't say stuff like that when Christians show up. They're like, man, you get out of here. You're the light. It's like cockroaches don't like light. They hide in the dark, wet, moist places. And when the light shows up, they scatter. See, they don't like real Christians. And when they exclude you and call you names, just say, hey, I'm praying to you. I'm, I'm going to go into the other room and leap for joy because I've been excluded. So David says, hey, I should expect this. Number three, it could be worse is what he says. It could be worse. This guy could have an army coming right after us right now. See, whatever you're facing right now might be bad, but it could be worse. I was thinking that the other day when I was going through some stuff. I thought, I thought man, it could be worse. Uh, my son could be diagnosed with leukemia. My wife could have all kinds of problems. Somebody could launch a bomb. It could be worse. Look at verse 14. And now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. See, it's tiring. Life is tiring, especially if you're in ministry. It's tiring. Life is going to wear you out. But what we cause sometimes, what Satan brings it's going to make you tired. Uh, the things we do with our own hands, the foolish mistakes we make are going to make us tired. But what it says is they refresh themselves. That the Lord will always provide a place of refreshing for you and I. 
Who provides this? Well, God does. If you're a Christian, you can open his word and know that God knows what's happening in your life. He's called the comforter if you need comforting. And we need to gather as well. I I hear on Wednesdays a lot of times from the people who show up on Wednesday night, it's like, oh man, this is so refreshing. I so needed this. It's It's only been two days of work. I'm like, man, where do you work where it's so rough? But I do too sometimes. I'm like, man, it's awesome to come and sit with other believers and pray. I went to a meeting the other day on Thursday morning, and I was thinking about Thursday night church, and the guy goes, Mark, you want to start the meeting? I said, sure. And I was like, let's pray. And everybody just looked at me, and it was just a habit to start meetings with prayer. And this wasn't like a Christian group of people, and they all looked at me, and they all bowed their heads. And I was like, right on. And I just started praying. And when I walked away, the guy was like, man, we've never had anyone pray. Why, why did you do that? I was like, it just came out of my mouth. I go, but you prayed. He goes, man, that was awesome. And so one of the ladies said, hey, would you pray for my son? And I said, sure, what's going on? Well, he's got this problem with his hand. They're probably going to have to amputate. And I said, oh, okay, well, let's pray for him. And then other people walked up and gathered around us and bowed their head. I was just like, man, I am completely, this is cool. Let's pray. I, I just came out of me. It's refreshing. And so on Wednesday nights, you hear, man, this is refreshing. This is what I needed, some fellowship, some like-minded people, because you're around unlike-minded people. David's saying that, hey, you know what? This is what's supposed to happen, then let God do what he needs to do to fix me, because I know that God loves me. And sometimes we need to get ourselves to that place. Let's close with Second Peter chapter 1. Let's read that together. We'll start in verse 2. Let's read it. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of David, the second king of the nation of Israel. From his ascension to the throne, to his battlefield victories, to his sins and failures, God continually describes David as a man after his own heart. This distinction reminds us that though we fail, our God still delights in having us a part of his family. We can bring our sins to him in an attitude of repentance, knowing he offers us grace anew for each morning. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you in your journey of faith, so please give us a call. Let us know how you heard about Come Alive and feel free to ask us any questions you have, and we'll do our best to answer. Call us at 281-391-5503. Do you live in or are you visiting the Katy area? If so, we want to meet you. 
Here's Tracy with more information. Calvary Chapel Katy is a great group of Jesus followers who are ready and waiting to welcome you into our family. We'll make sure you find a friendly smile and a listening ear. We genuinely want to get to know you. Come and see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or find out more about our men's and women's Bible studies. Give us a call with any questions and to get directions. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. See you there. Thanks, Tracy. Tune in again for more from 2 Samuel right here on Come Alive.